Everybody, it is, it's good to be together. It's good to be together. We love you guys. We thank you for coming and being a part of today. And if you're at home, we love you. And, and the Lord just put it on my heart that we would take a couple minutes this morning and, and pray together. I think when the church comes together that we should be a house of worship, but we should be a house of prayer as well in the sense of all the stuff that's going on uh, around our, our lives, but also the things that are going on individually in our lives as well. And, and as, we were, as we were worshiping this morning, I, I felt the Lord just say, I want to make broken things made new. I want to see broken things made new. And so whatever that looks like for you, um, that could be something individual. We have a lot of folks right now in our, in our body who are dealing with sickness, um, who, are, who are facing different things and cancer and um, accidents have happened. And there's so many things that are going on in that realm physically I know some of you are dealing with physical things right now in this room. I know that some of you are carrying a, a heavy burden for schools being back in, for um, COVID to be gone, for the restrictions to be lifted for us to get back to seeing kids in school and things that are going on in that nature and, um, and everything in between. And so this morning, I want us to here in this room, but also at home, that take just a minute and ask the Lord, what is, a, what is a broken place? Not in that soul-searching kind of way of like, oh, Jesus, is a broken place in me. But really, what is a, a broken place that he is calling you to be an intercessor for? Or something around you in a person or in, in our culture or whatever that may be. And I want you to grab on to that. And when you feel like the Lord has spoken that to you, simply as an act of prayer and an act of community and togetherness, would you, would you stand to your feet? as he puts that thing on your heart that you want to stand in proxy for, that you want to stand for. I want to stand for someone who's sick. I want to stand for uh, something that's going on in our culture, in our world. Whatever it is, just grab it in your heart and then stand with me and we're going to pray together. Once you know, this is, what I, this is what I'm praying for today. And you can do that at home as well. Just join us together. Thank you, Father, that we come before you and that you are not absent and far off in our times of trouble, that when we are weary, you don't look at us and say, get tougher, get stronger, but you come to us in our weakness and make yourself known in your strength. It is by your grace that we are able to walk through any of the things that we're confronting and the things that are represented here in this room, the things that are represented in homes and, and in cars and wherever people are joining us right now, we place those before you as a family, believing that where two or three come together and in agreement that we bring these things before you, that things are going to shift. The first thing that's gonna shift is that we are promised that when we place things before you, that we are able to receive peace that passes understanding. And so we place these things before you and we exchange them right now, leaving them on your heart and leaving them on your shoulders and placing them in your hands. 
that we exchange that now for your peace that passes understanding, that would cascade into our hearts and into our minds, and it would guard our hearts, and it would guard our minds, that we, our hearts and minds are not unguarded in this season, that we are guarded by your peace. And so we ask, Lord, that your peace would stand sentinel over our hearts and minds and that everything that comes in, every thought that comes in, every voice that comes in, every belief that comes in, every opinion that comes in has to pass this sentinel of your peace. And if it doesn't come through peace, it doesn't come in to my heart and it doesn't come into my mind. And so we place these things before you and receive that peace in exchange. But further than that, we put them before you believing That, God, you are more than able to shift this world, to shift this valley, to shift these circumstances that we find ourselves in. You are more than able to meet people, whether it is a broken body, whether it is is pain, whether it is sickness, whether it is cancer, whether it is a back that needs to be renewed, whether it is something that needs to be set right, headaches that won't go away, whatever it is, God, that is being represented here in this family. We declare your name and your powerful name, Jesus, to heal and to restore and to make right. That you would be making broken things whole. And so we call on your wholeness. Let it flood this land. Let it flood this city. Let it flood these families. Let it flood marriages and hearts and minds and circumstances to the highest halls of government all the way down to the hallway of our homes where we're passing our kids and showing them your love, that you would make yourself known powerfully and that you would make broken things whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good to pray together. And this is what our response is going to be for these next few weeks. What should our response be to all the things that are going on? I believe our response should be to pray. So what we're going to do as a family is that we're going to take the next 21 days starting tomorrow and we're going to pray together. 21 days of prayer as we walk into 2021 that God would make broken things and broken places whole and that he would make things that have grown weary new and that he would guard our hearts and our minds with his peace. And so together we just invite you, keep your eyes on our website, keep your eyes on our social media. Um, Some of these might be going out every once in a while in email and what it's going to be every morning at 6 a.m., you're going to get a prayer reminder, a prayer prompt, and you're going to know that everybody in this house is praying together for these things, and that we're going to watch God move powerfully, that we are not divided, we are not inter, inter- disconnected, that we are interdependent, and in our interdependency, when we bring that before the Lord, where two or three come together in his name, that we're going to see things begin to shift, not only externally, but internally in our house, in our church, in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our physical bodies. We're going to see this happening because because we're seeking after the Lord together. So we invite you to be a part of this 21 days of prayer that we're going to be doing. The other thing I want you to do, I want you to know about is that as we are foundationally talking about intimacy, identity, and inheritance every year, we talk about this, um, but not only talk about it, hopefully we're living it, um, that we have a journey for you. It's called a quest. It's online. You can go to lwrv.org and you can look under it, 
under there, and you will see a link that leads you to a 90-day quest, 30 days on intimacy, 30 days on identity, and 30 days on inheritance, and it'll just come to you every day. What it is, is it's this still life that we created last year, and we've broken it up into something that you can interact with online, so it just comes to you every day. You read it. There's some prompts on there, some activations, and some prayer things, and so um, you guys remember this? Do you guys have, do you guys have these? Um, so the other day, whenever you need to be humbled, it's good to have children. Um, the other day, one of my sons was like, Dad, you remember when you tried to write that book? And I was like, all right, son, we did. We made something. We made something. But uh, humility is good because here how it's compounding. We, you know, we did the relief center um, and for, the, for the fire survivors, and we still continue to do that. We invite you to reach out and check online of ways that you can get involved in that. But uh, for a while there, people were bringing in donations all the time. All the time, donations were coming in. And uh, one day I looked at the donation table, and there was, there was five of these <laughs> that somebody had brought that they hadn't used. They were like, hey, you know what? I'll just donate it. To the, to the fire relief effort. And so I thought it must have meant so much to people that it was just sitting there in their house and that they thought, what can I, what can I donate? Um, so uh, that's humility and it's good for us. Um, but so I have these free ones that someone donated. So if you don't have one, does, does anybody need one of these that you don't have one? I would love to give you one. Uh, here you go. It's, it's, a, it's a year old. It's not expired. I wrote it from the Bible. Um, so there you go. And if you're online, if you're online, uh, I have a couple more up in my office. There was five donated. Um, so if you are online and just say, hey, I want one. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. And um, so first two people online that say, I want one of those, Christian will, will get it to you. So um, but yeah, we're doing that intimacy, identity, inheritance journey. Um, this year, we're going to take one Sunday on each one because we have these other ways online and through the, through the Still Life Handbook that we can interact with it for the next 90 days. And so specifically, that's what we want to do is we want to be diving into these topics and traveling through this. And so here, you've, if you've been a part of Living Waters for any length of time, um, you know that January we focus on intimacy. If you haven't, I want to share some things with you. And if you have, I want to encourage you in this. But here's what we say. Here's our main thought on this. It says, the desire that should drive the life of every follower of Jesus isn't to earn God's love and affection as a wage, but to receive it as a gift. We are invited to rest in and enjoy his presence, letting go of performance and proving and holding on to the intimate connection with God's spirit that we access through and only through the completed work of Christ. And so today, I simply want to use today and our time together to remind you of his passionate pursuit of you and of your life. That he is constantly after your heart, not in a way where he's going to come to you and smite you, but in a way where he wants to come and make his love known to you and make himself known to you. And in response is this invitation that he says, I want to make myself known to you, but I want to know you as well. And as we accept Christ into our life and we are made new in the spirit, that we are able then to access his heart and he is able to access our heart. And that oneness and that unity is what we're meaning when we talk about intimacy. 
And intimacy isn't just great quiet times in the morning. It's not simply that you did your journal and you prayed for an hour and a half and you listened to the instrumental worship. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But that's not what intimacy is. Intimacy is about an interconnectedness, an interdependence. When Jesus walked the earth, what did he say? He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. So he is in a constant place of interconnectedness, an intimacy, a unity with the Father that he was walking in a way that said, I'm only doing what I see him doing. And so while intimacy can reflect of these amazing worship times and quiet times and time in the word that you spend daily just diving into that, it's about how you live your life outside of that quiet place as well. And so I want the power of his love and his desire for you to compel you into a deeper pursuit of his presence, not only in the private places, but in the public places as well. And that once you've had a revelation of his heart and his love for you, that you wouldn't be satisfied by anything less than the kind of intimacy that Jesus has made a way for us to experience. Ephesians 3 says this, that Christ would make his home in your hearts as you trust him, that your roots would go down deep into God's love and keep you strong. So intimacy is this root system that allows the fruit of his life and his spirit to grow out of our life. But intimacy is also the root system that allows us to walk through the storms that we're encountering right now. If you have a tree that isn't rooted and the wind comes, you guys know what happens. It falls over. But when there's a root system, that tree can withstand all sorts of different storms that might come against it. And that's the same with our life. As we root our life deep into his love, and he makes his home in our hearts. And we live out of that place of intimacy when the winds come and when the, the troubles come and when the conflicts come, our tree doesn't just fall over. Our tree doesn't get ripped. All of the fruit of our life doesn't get torn off and thrown to the wind. It stays strong. That's what intimacy is. It's that root system that we're able to remain set in him through everything that we walk through. And so... What happens is that we begin to realize that we cannot walk in the spiritual without our connection with God. But God can't show up in the physical without walking in us as well. And that is the type of interconnectedness and unity that I believe is reflected as we look at intimacy as a church together. One of the, one of the quotes that drives my life um, and, and originally and early on sent me on this journey myself. And you guys know the story, and I, and I won't tell you again, um, but you know the story. And if you don't know the story, it's in the still life journey. If you take that, uh, that quest online, you'll hear the story of how Kate broke my heart, and I was upset with God. <laughs> I was upset with God because I felt like I had this romance part of my heart that was going to be met by a girl. And when I realized it wasn't, I, threw, I, I cried out to him and he just simply met my heart and he said, I want that part of your heart too. I want intimacy with you. I want pursuit with you. I want to be your only thing. And I don't think it's safe for you to give your heart and love away to anyone else if it hasn't first been given to me anyways. And so that began this journey. And one of the quotes that, that struck me was this quote from A.W. Tozer. And it says this, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And that quote struck me. Because I think it is so absolutely true. What comes to mind when you think about God is the, one of the most defining things about your life and how you walk out your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
If you believe that he is angry, it will not be long until you too are angry. If you believe that he is troubled by the things that are going on, it won't be long until you too are troubled by the things that are going on. If you believe that he lashes out, it won't be long until you lash out as well. It is what you believe about God and walk in relationship with him that begins to be reflected in your life. And what Tozer said is true. So what comes to mind when I think about God is the most defining thing about my life. And so as a young man, that put me on a pursuit to say, then God, I want to know who you are and I want to know what you are like. And so that pursuit became singular in that I want to see your face. I want to know your glory and I want to know that when I'm seeing you, I'm not seeing some propped up image that's been taught to me, that I am seeking your word and I am seeking your presence and I am seeking your wisdom to teach me who you are so that when I think about God, that I cannot help but see a good father who is seated on the throne and who is able to withstand everything that I am walking through and is able to meet me personally in those places and that I want that for every single one of us to think about this. What comes to mind when you think about God? Angry, far off, small, weak, confused, overwhelmed in a spiritual battle, barely hanging on, or victorious. And, and, and seated in all wisdom, seated in all power, and yet a good and personal father who has good things for you. And that's what I want us to do. And that, that journey took me on as a young man, but it also has become the core and the heartbeat of this church for Kate and I as we lead this church. We want to understand that we were created for intimacy and that that reality breaks our temptation towards religiosity. And we understand this too, that we were created from intimacy, the Trinity, the triune God. So let us create in our image. Let us create man in our image. And out of that unity, that triunity, out of that intimacy, we were created. And so we were created from intimacy, but we were also created for intimacy. We were created for relationship. That's why God created us to be an expression of himself, and an expression of his love, and an expression of his relationship with us. And when that became broken and that story fell apart, he pursued us to restore us back to that unity and that relationship and that intimacy. We were created from intimacy. We were created for intimacy. And we were restored to intimacy through Jesus Christ alone. That is the journey and the story of Christ coming. That we would be restored back to that place of relationship with the Father. Colossians 1, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is the story of reconciling us back to a place of intimacy. Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That is now our position. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ and say, I am giving my life to you and I receive your life into mine, we are then positioned in intimacy. And so intimacy is a position that we have. It is a theological truth that cannot be argued. It is a scriptural truth that cannot be argued. Everywhere we look, we see that we are positioned in Christ when we believe in Jesus because of his completed work. So intimacy is that position. But walking in intimacy, I want to challenge you, is a pursuit that comes back to us. As God pursued us, we have to learn to pursue God. Because knowing that theological truth of our position in intimacy and our position in Christ doesn't mean that we're experiencing it in the day-to-day. It is going to be the pursuit and the posture of my life that allows me to experience intimacy that is true and there and available theologically and scripturally, but am I experiencing it? And that's going to be defined by how I posture myself and how I pursue God. Hebrews 11 Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and here is our our point, and that he rewards those who earnestly pursue him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. That is our promise and that is our invitation in intimacy. You're positioned in intimacy, but are you pursuing intimacy? And his promise says that he will reward those who diligently and faithfully and passionately seek him. And that's what we want to be able to do as we walk out our life. In his pursuit of us, God, in Jesus, listen, he removed every obstacle, every broken chain, or every chain was broken. He defeated every enemy. He forgave every sin so that at the end, his victory and nothing else would remain in this story. Everything that we have, there is nothing that he hasn't dealt with that would keep you separate from God. Jesus came to defeat all of that so that we have this invitation to say yes, to be able to pursue him. For I am convinced, right? Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death or life or angels or principalities or present or future or any powers, no height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because Jesus dealt with every single one of those things that separates us from his intimacy and separates us from his reconciliation and separates us from his purpose in our life. The cross was the thing that brought us back to be able to pursue intimacy with God. And I want you to hear this. The cross was less painful for him than a broken relationship with you. That's intimacy of a father who would say, it is less painful for me to go through the cross than it is to live in this broken relationship that we have. You were created from unity, from intimacy. You were created for unity, for intimacy. And when that was broken, God in his wisdom and in his love came as Christ and walked through the cross to reconcile that and to redeem that and to bring us back into that place and saying, I will go through the cross for our relationship to be restored. And the cross was what? It was a resetting of this broken relationship. It was a resetting of a bone. If my arm is broken and I don't get it reset, it grows and it becomes unhealthy. 
But what it was is this moment in human history where it came and said, I will break that and I will reset it so that we can be in right relationship and so that we can be in right relationship with God. For the joy, Hebrews 12 tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. First and foremost, God's pursuit of you is a love story and he did it in joy. Because he saw the cross, but he saw through the cross, and he saw you, and he saw a relationship with you, and he said, that's what they were created for, and it's been ripped off from us, and I will do anything to see that come back into the right relationship and back into intimacy for the joy set before him. It's not, listen, it's not what God wants from you. It's not even what God wants to do through you. That's where so much of Christianity and churchianity gets off because we start to focus people on what God wants to do. Uh, He wants from you. This is what God wants to do through you. And we forget that he just simply wants you. He doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need you to fulfill some big plan or big call. He doesn't want something, anything from you. He just wants to begin this story, this love story, by saying, I, I just want to be with you because yeah. that's what you were created for and that's what was broken from us. And that's this pursuit and this invitation of intimacy. The whole story of Jesus is a journey of reconnection. And so hear this. Intimacy isn't a requirement. It is an invitation. But just because it's optional, doesn't, or just because it's given to us and available to us as an invitation doesn't mean that it's optional. It matters to our life and to our journey with Christ. Matthew 13, says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had bought, all that he had, and he bought that field. Do you see the similarities? The parallel is that Jesus saw the cross and he said, in the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then we have this story of a man who said he discovered a treasure and he sold everything that he had in order to grasp that treasure. And Jesus taught us this is what the kingdom is like. Listen, intimacy is available to you. It's not just optional. We have to have this same sort of tenacity that says once I discover the richness and the beauty and the depth and the invitation of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I will give anything. I will give anything to lay hold of that. And that we don't just go, oh, take it or leave it. Yeah, he did all this stuff to bring us into intimacy. I guess that's cool. But that we would be people who pursue it with joy laying down everything and anything with joy. Not, oh, no, I got to give another thing to get closer to you. I got to do all this work. I got to jump all the hurdles. No, but that in comparison, anything that I would lay down, anything I would let go of, anything that would be required of me in comparison to knowing Jesus and his kingdom would be seen as a joy to let go of from my life. That's how we pursue intimacy and unity and oneness with him. A life that's in cadence with him. A life that is in rhythm with him. A life that hears the song of his heart and and lives in harmony with with his song. In the story of Moses and the Israelites in Exodus 33, there's this moment where, if you guys remember the story, and if you don't, I'll tell it to you briefly. The Israelites had come out of slavery in Egypt, and they were a group of people who had been captured in Egypt for 400 years, and and they came out of that land, and God had made himself known to them and said, I want to be your God. 
And I want you to be my people. And I want you to be a, a group that I choose to make myself known to the world through you. So he invited them away and he said, I'm going to take you to a land that I've promised to you. And in that land that I've promised to you, you're going to be able to settle and you're going to see my faithfulness and my glory poured out on you as a light to the nations. And so he brought them out of Egypt and out of slavery. And in the passing to the promised land, there was this this moment where they stopped on Mount Sinai, a mountain, and God made himself known to them. And there's a lot in there that would be fun to unpack another time. But ultimately what happened is that the people got squirrely and they got scared. And, they, and, they, and again, a lot of things happened. But Moses was hanging out with God and he had this conversation with God. God said, listen, you can go into the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. And that moment for Moses was defining of his leadership. It was defining of his entire life because he said to God, I don't care what we do, but I'm not going without your presence. And he said this to God, what is the thing that marks your people if it's not your presence? Without your presence, we're just like everyone else around us. And so Moses had a choice. He could go into the success. He, everything was there. Everything that was promised was right there. And he could walk into it. But he said, God, I'm not going to walk into it without your presence. And this is the kind of hearts that I'm talking about that God is, is inviting us into to have a heart like Moses that says, God, I'm not going anywhere in my life. I'm not going anywhere in my day. I'm not going anywhere in my marriage. I'm not going anywhere in my workplace. I'm not going anywhere in my schooling. I'm not going anywhere in this culture without your presence going with me. Because what is it, what is it then? that makes us any different from anybody else if it isn't his presence. And this is the invitation of intimacy is to be people who are so in unity with him, in relationship with him, that we carry his presence and we carry that heart of intimacy in everything that we do. If you're like me, if you're like Moses, you probably have things that you're looking at at your life right now and go, there's no way that I can do this without you. And that's not a bad thing to come to those places where you're going, there's no way. There's no way I can do this without you. But that's good to come to that place where we say before him. And maybe you experience this every day of 2020 and maybe you've already experienced it every day of 2021. Dang it! (laughs) But that in our rawness, in our, in our lack of being able to rely on ourselves, that we're looking at things, every one of us are looking at things right now and we're going, God, I could go into that, but I can't do it without you. And I won't do it without your presence. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that that is a good place to be. Because the temptation is when we feel like we can handle things is that we'll move out of his presence. And the thing that makes us distinct as carriers of the spirit of the living God is that when we show up places that we have heaven with us and behind us and within us and we release that light of Christ and his power and his presence and his wisdom and his peace everywhere that we go. And if you don't have that, you're just showing up in all these situations just like anybody else would, making noise but not adding heaven to the equation. And I want us to see this just so I can make sure we're clear on this. I don't want us to picture God's presence as some kind of yo-yo that comes up and down depending on how much we're asking for it. 
His presence is poured out upon us through Christ, and it is not something that he revokes. He's not like, oh, good job today. Oh, bad job yesterday. Let me take it. Good job. He's not doing that with his presence. His presence is always, if we have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, and we have said yes to him and invited him to make himself known in our life, and we've surrendered ourselves to him, his presence is promised to us, and we have his presence, and we have access to his presence. So don't picture it as some kind of performance yo-yo. But I want to admit this to you, and I want you to be able to understand that there are things in your life and circumstances in your life that cloud your perspective and your ability to see his presence. It clouds your perspective and your ability to be able to say, Father, whatever you're doing today, I'm just going to do that. Whatever you're speaking today, I'm going to speak that. There, there's stuff that gets in our ears that we can't hear what he's speaking. And there's things that get over our eyes and we can't see what he's doing. And there's stuff that, that clouds his presence, that recognition of his presence and his re that recognition of his intimacy from our life. And so I want to admit that as humans and in the reality of saying, yes, his presence is always with you, always poured out upon you, always within you. And yet we have to admit that the way that we live our life and posture our life does affect the reality and the ability that I have to be aware of his presence, aware of what he's doing, and aware of what I'm carrying in that moment. And that we would be like Moses and just say, what's going to differentiate me from anybody else if I walk around without your presence, if I walk around in that place of lack? We can't build our life around lack. We can't build a life that compensates for the deficiency of our inability to remove things from our life, to refine our life, to posture ourselves in his presence. If we don't do that, we begin to live in lack. And the temptation is, is that I'll, I'll create and craft a life that is diminished and it lives based more around the lack of intimacy and connection that I have with God. And that reality of Exodus 33, what difference, what makes me any different than anybody else if I'm not carrying that awareness of your presence? Listen, if we build a life that matches up to the absence of intimacy, of presence, of connection, the absence of communication and communion with God, all we're going to do, especially if we just go like, and I'm okay, I'm okay. I've learned to survive with less. But when we get to that place where we just say we're okay and we think we can handle life without him, our faith will shrink to match that level of lack that we're allowing in our relationship with God. And what will happen is that then we'll just live a religious-based system. We cannot build a life, a ministry, a church, a family, a marriage without presence of God, without intimacy. And that's when, if we do that, that we get tempted into religious-based systems. And that's what so many of you are coming out of. Thank God. So what so many of us are being healed of is religious-based systems that lack intimacy, and they appear to have it all together. But in those systems, it's more important to appear that you have it together, and it's more important to appear that you have the fruit functioning in your life than to actually be in face-to-face -face transformative relationship with God, where he's moving you from glory to glory because you're face-to-face -face with him evermore into the Christ-likeness for which he's called you. And if we're not careful, instead of living from a habitation of his presence that is made known to us every day, we will live out of religious habit that just says, here's what I do. Hit my marks and check out and go do something else. 
What happens if we do that is that we will suffer the consequences of living in that kind of incongruity. When you, what I mean by that is that we, if we believe something that we're not experiencing, it destroys us from the inside out. If we say we believe something that we are not experiencing, it will destroy your faith from the inside out. That is the kind of incongruity that we risk when we say, God, I just want to live out of religious habit instead of habitation of your presence. God, I want to go into your promises and I'm not worried so much about your presence. That's what happens when we become people who are devoid of that kind of pursuit of God and we begin to pursue the things of earth. That's what happens when we don't have that heart of Moses that said, don't send me anywhere without your presence. I won't even walk out that front door today until I know your presence is with me. If we say on one hand that he is peace, but we have no peace. If we say on one hand that he is victorious, but we're always on the defensive. If we say on one hand that he has grace and mercy, but we're always releasing judgment. Again, I say what I said earlier. Our faith will shrink to that place. But it's not all about, this morning, it's not all about how our, our faith will shrink. Our, sh- our faith will shrink to the lack that we allow, to the comfort that we defend, the fear that we entertain. But it's also going to grow to the level of intimacy that we cultivate in our life. So intimacy, grow identity, and reap an inheritance. So the application that I have for us today is this. In a world that celebrates those who are independent, who are isolated, who are strong in and of themselves, we are in a fight for dependence. Are you dependent upon his presence? And that's what I mean when I talk about pursuing him. Not earning what is already ours and available in Christ, but building a lifestyle that reflects the heart that Moses had in Exodus 33 without your presence. I'm not going to go. Because you are the only thing that sets me apart from the people that I am bringing your life to. So our challenge today is this. Intimacy isn't just about private time. It isn't just about prayer. It isn't only about journaling. The fruit of intimacy is seen publicly every day through your life. (laughs) The promise of his presence and you living in intimacy isn't only for you. It is for others. Hebrews 4 says this, listen. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God that there that we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Oftentimes we read that verse and correctly so, we read that verse and we think, I need grace and I need mercy, so I'm going into his throne room. Jesus has allowed us free access to the throne of the Father that we can receive grace and mercy whenever we want it. And I get it that we make that verse about us. I'm just barely dragging in to get some grace and get some mercy, and oh man, I've got just enough to get out of here. No, our baseline should be overflowing with grace and mercy. Whenever it starts to feel like it's depleted, we go, oh my goodness, a situation that requires grace and mercy to be released from my life. Oh, a person who requires grace and mercy to be released from my life. We're not going in there, beggars, building a life down to our lack. We're going in saying we are sons and daughters who carry grace and we carry mercy. Intimacy isn't just for us. It is for what we release to the world around us. Your intimacy is seen 
and received by every person that you encounter every day and in every interaction, no matter where it is. And if you are a person who is depleted of intimacy and pursuit of his presence, then you're going to be going into his throne room as a beggar, barely having enough grace and mercy to make it through for you. But that's not who we are. We have full inheritance. Everything that is in Christ is ours as co-heirs. And so what we're doing is we're learning to say, wait, intimacy, his presence, his throne room is full of heaven that I get to go get it and I get to release it to the world around me. That's what that grace and mercy is about, that we would go whenever you need it. Do you have a situation you're looking at right now that needs grace and mercy? Is there people in your life right now that need to receive God's, heaven's grace and mercy? Are there, are there things that need to be set right that aren't right, that need to be, to be encountered by heaven's grace and mercy? Yes, then go get it from your father. Go hang out with him until everything you're doing is from an overflow of intimacy. Everything that you're doing is from an overflow of intimacy. Intimacy releases heaven through you. Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. It is his intimacy and his presence that keeps us safe. It is his invitation into his intimacy and presence that allows us to live with carriers, as carriers of heaven, releasing that to the world around us. And so my prayer for us today is this, is that we would do nothing, that we would speak nothing, that we would believe nothing that isn't a direct overflow of intimacy with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, that's what we ask. Through your powerful name and through your life laid down, you have invited us to be born and raised into a new spiritual life. We are born again through you. And in being born again, we have become heirs and co-heirs of everything that you have, which includes an invitation into that triune relationship that is intimacy personified. It is intimacy shown to us. And we want to live out of that, God. Not performance, not jumping over all of the right things, doing all the right things. We want to live in that place of saying, God, we want to live from an overflow of intimacy. And so what I said, I pray that we wouldn't speak a word, we wouldn't take a step, we wouldn't respond, we wouldn't believe a thing, we wouldn't live out of anything that isn't from a direct overflow of intimacy. And your invitation to be people who dwell and are seated with you in Christ, on the throne, in the heavenly realms, at your right hand, that we would release grace and mercy from our life to every person that needs it, to every situation that needs it, to everything that we encounter. Because we are not living day-to-day meager beggars in poverty of grace and mercy. We are living as investors of heaven's grace and mercy. And wherever we go, the kingdom is there. And we release it, we establish it, and we break things that resist it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. We love you guys. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. If you're at home, we love you. Have a great Sunday.